welcome back to the Soap Opera for Dudes Digest, a weekly podcast chronicling the real-life drama, emotion, and heartbreak of a fantasy football league in which we obsess over assigning pretend points to real-life football players. I'm your host, Chris Smith, and each week we talk about the big roster moves, upsets, victories, and defeats from the past week in this league, and we will, of course, cover the side bets and any other tomfoolery the managers get up to and what we're looking forward to this coming weekend. It is week 12 that we're entering. Week 11 happened, and uh, it's created some really interesting situations in the league. Um, you know, we got some must-win scenarios, some people looking for the for the playoffs uh, versus not. And uh, and let's let's get into it real quick, um, since this is the procrastination version coming out Sunday morning before or during current football games. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, let's see what happened last week. Uh, I got a win over Tom, 103 to 67. My quarterback scored only five. Thanks, Matt Ryan. But everybody else did well, so that's good. Keenan Allen and Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 18 points each, and Rodrigo Blankenship, Mr. Goggles himself, got me 15. So feeling great about that for Tom on his side. The late pickup, Carson Wentz. <clears throat> wow, um, just what you tune in for. Throat clearing. And the Pittsburgh D were highlights, but uh, getting a zero from Joshua Kelly and one from Adrian Peterson on the Detroit Lions made it a tough loss. Uh, Matt and John tied at 101 to 101, and I'm just double-checking to see if the stat corrections made that still the case. Yep, they sure did. They got a tie. So John had... Higher highs with Patrick Mahomes, Adam Thielen, and Ezekiel Elliott, but Matt's team was more consistent across the board. So he had solid output from Chris Godwin, Russell Wilson, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Mike Davis, and the rest. So in the end, they tied, which could prove crucial, and we'll talk about the playoff picture uh, and the impacts of that coming up. Uh, Beach got a big win over Glenn. Um... 106 to 77. Justin Herbert is the rookie of the year pickup, I think, as at least as far as I'm concerned here. Maybe James Robinson, but man. Uh, and I bet Beach probably agrees because Justin Herbert got uh, 33 points uh, with his Los Angeles Chargers. And uh, Beach also got 19 points from Robert Woods, 14 from Carlos Hyde, propelled him to a pretty high score for the win. Glenn had another down game from Lamar Jackson. And might not see a Lamar Jackson game this week. Uh, while C.D. Lamb was nice for Dallas, uh, otherwise his team was sort of a, a stove on like medium to medium low. You know, like a like a strong simmer, but not yet a boil. So Glenn, uh, you know, I know he's already up in the standings, but, you know, probably could and should pick it on up. Uh, Derek got a big win over Scott, 132 to 121. So the highest, the second highest score lost to the first highest score. We've actually seen that multiple times this this year in the league, where you know two managers score really well, and and the loser would have beat everybody else. But hey, it, it happens. So uh, you know this this is a fun one. It's always fun to watch when the scores uh, are are this high, and when first and second place uh, in a week face each other and you don't know which way it's going to swing and uh, too bad Scott that's unfortunate uh, Derek just had pretty darn good games across the board including a big 34 from Deshaun Watson 18 from Travis Kelsey and 19 from the New Orleans Orleans Saints handling the Atlanta Falcons that's a good D and they get Denver up this week so um Good job, Derek. Uh, Scott was also really, really good. You know, he had a really high score, too. He had great games from Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook, Darren Waller, and the Cleveland defense. Great pickup there with a massive 22 points against the Philadelphia Eagles. 
So, um, yeah, it was a good, fun game, and, and Derek won it. Uh, Colin and Craig, wait, also tied 99 and 99? So we had two ties for the first time, I think, in, in my memory of this league. Um, so for Colin, I mean, another snoozer, right? Kyler, Tyreek, Nick Chubb continue to be super-duper great. But, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, and Mark Andrews led a team for Craig, which was equally good. Like, actually, literally equally good. Uh, they tied at 99. So, um, good job, fellas. Uh, and again, that's going to impact, well, actually nothing. Because this is the first and second place people in the league playing each other. And in getting their, you know, whatever, eighth and a half win, uh, they they clinched it for each other. So, uh, good good job there, I suppose. Um yeah, couldn't have been a better result. Uh, Drew won out over Pete, ninety-six to seventy. And uh, Pete, it is tough sledding when you have a seven from your quarterback and combined five points from two of your wide receivers. So that's not great. But you did have good stuff from Antonio Gibson and DJ Moore. So you're welcome. Uh, Drew had a great game though, or at least a good one, uh, with solid outings from Big Ben, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, Josh Jacobs, and the Washington defense against Cincinnati. So uh, Drew moves on and is in the hunt for the playoffs. So uh, highest score of the week was Derek. Good job. And lowest score was Tom. So Derek had 132. Tom had just 67. So, you know, reflecting back on last week, good good, good to great pickups uh, by managers. Beach had Carlos Hyde, who he picked up and dropped Leonard Fournette. Uh, that was a good pickup. He got good points, propelled him to a win. Uh, Scott picked up Cleveland for $8 and dropped the New York Giants. Didn't get him the win. Got him the second highest score. Um, and Cleveland just has an amazing, amazing playoffs or, you know, late season schedule that are, are the fantasy playoffs. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to give myself a runner up shout out for adding Wayne Gallman last week, dropping Logan Thomas, uh, with Devonta Freeman out. Wayne Gallman is the sole show for the New York Giants. And I picked him up on the sneaky sneak while he was on by last week. And I feel great about it. So, you know what? I'm going to give it to, um, I'm going to give the, the transaction of the week to Scott, um, transaction of last week to Scott. Um, and, and while we're talking about week 11, just to wrap it up before we get on to week 12, um, those two ties are really, really important, and particularly the one uh, between John and Matt. So Craig, Colin, and Glenn have already clinched the playoffs. They're, they're going in now. It's just about seating order. So Otherwise, it's a race to seven wins. Um, Drew has six wins already, so he only needs one more win out of the next two games. And Matt has five and a half, so he needs one and a half wins to get to seven to lock into the playoffs. So Drew, Matt, Derek, Scott, Beej, myself, and Tom could all, at this point, theoretically get into the playoffs. And in that order, it looks like probably Drew, Matt, maybe Derek of those, um, at least are, are highest in the standings and have the, the easiest time getting in. But we just have two more games to go. So these are must-win or at least must-not-loses for uh, a couple of folks. Um, and, and let's see. The manager's made some moves. I wouldn't say it's the biggest you know waiver transaction week we've had, but uh, some good moves. And let's, let's just get into what happened between weeks 11 and 12. Uh, big spend was Colin, spending $12 on J.K. Dobbins, dropping Naeem Hines. Uh, so Matt bid two, Colin bid 10, bid 10 more, because he has the money. Uh, Beach spent $10 on Frank Gore. Matt spent $2 on the New York Giants defense, which is a great pickup. They have an amazing schedule, but they also uh, have an amazing opponent right now, right? Um, so they are playing... 
and just catch my notes. Oh yeah, against Cincinnati and a and a filler quarterback, a backup. Um, the offensive line is horrible. I think they're going to get sacks, maybe even some interceptions this week. That's going to be really, really good. Uh, Scott spent $2 on James White, dropping LaMichael P. Ryan. Colin uh, dropped a dollar on the Seattle defense. Good luck with you. And dropping Tampa Bay. Uh, Pete snagged Taysom Hill and dropped Joe Burrow. So after Taysom Hill uh, filled in for one week and did well at the New Orleans uh, quarterback role, filling in for Drew Brees, uh, Taysom Hill might be a good might be a good rest of season quarterback. Who knows? Uh, I had a Derek Carr drop Matt Ryan. Beach added Curtis Samuel dropping Jerry du- Judy. Boo. Uh, I can't talk this morning, guys. Uh, Colin added Miles Gaskin. Pete added Zach Ertz. John added Houston. Dropped New England. Glenn added Baker Mayfield and uh, doesn't have Sterling Shepard anymore. Beach added Leonard Fournette, dropping Alan Lazard. Glenn added Brian Hill, dropping Salvan Ahmed. Pete added Matt Ryan. Good luck to you, Pete, on that one. Uh, Matt added Benny Snell again, dropping the Kansas City defense. Pete added Naeem Hines, uh, dropping finally, I guess, Rashad Penny, who is never going to happen this year. Uh, Scott added Kendall Hinton. And let's talk about that. So last night it came out that Denver was not going to forfeit their games, even though all of their listed quarterbacks were ineligible to play due to COVID. Um, So they have their emergency quarterback called up from the practice squad, uh, Kendall Hinton. Uh, Maybe also Royce Freeman. So Scott added Kendall Hinton. Glenn added Royce Freeman. I'm going to give that a joint out of the week there. I think it's great. Uh, Good heads-up play, way to react to the news. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Matt uh, otherwise added Evan Ingram. Craig added Robert Tanyan, and Tom added Darius Slayton. I, I, you know, I don't know. We'll see. These are not huge moves. The ones that could really pay off, I, I think, are Taysom Hill. Um, the New York Giants defense just seems like an awesome play, and I hate that I'm going against Matt today. And, um, you know, the, the Denver thing is at least interesting. So, um, yeah, let's let's talk about what's going on later today, Monday, the rest of Week 12. So, um I'm playing Matt. I just mentioned that. Uh, Matt is currently favored by Yahoo Projections, and frankly, I I favor him too. Um, he's favored 108 to 99, but none of us had scores over Thanksgiving. Um, Beach versus Tom. Uh, Tom is is favored currently after a really good Adrian Peterson showing for Detroit over on Thanksgiving. Uh, Scott versus Glenn. Uh, Glenn made it closer with a, a 29 from Will Fuller over Thanksgiving, and and that seems. Good. I, I, you know, Scott is currently at 99 on the projections. Glenn's at 100. We'll we'll see, you know, where that shakes out. Uh, Colin versus Derek. Derek is now favored after Deshaun Watson dropped a big 40 points on Detroit. Detroit's defense was just horrible. Uh, Pete versus Craig. Pete's favored after Antonio Gibson got a 31. Three touchdowns on Thanksgiving for the Washington team. Um, so that was huge uh, for Pete. And uh, Drew versus John, and Drew's favorite here uh, after Washington got uh, 20 points on defense. So way to go. And this is, I mean, week 12, we are getting into it. There are no buys. Everybody start your starters, um, you know, shoot your shot. It's it's that time, you know? Um, maybe even a side bet. I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what I can cook up with Matt over the chat today. But um, now we have a really special treat. Uh, we've got a guest. We've got an interview. It was in the title. Uh, but Pete is here with, uh, you know, uh, his thoughts. And we had a really great discussion about statistics, numbers, uh, positional value, and what he'd like to see going forward with the draft and the scoring format. And uh, yeah, I think it was a really inter- interesting conversation. And enjoy. All right, let's do it. 
Um, so everybody, I'm uh, delighted to welcome uh, Manager Pete to the show. Pete, thanks so much for making the time this morning. Um, Pete, you, you sent me some spreadsheets. We've been looking at tables. Um, we've got some things to talk about. Um, you know, you're you're an analytical guy like myself. Um, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued with uh, you know kind of your hypothesis here. And, and what numbers you looked at to test it out. So uh, if you could explain to the audience what, uh, what your thoughts are looking at all the data going on on this 2020 season. Yeah, so um, I had a couple questions for Chris that uh, I shared in advance. And yeah. um, let's talk about the, f- the first one first was about the draft. Okay, so... Uh, which is a little less data-oriented, but... Yeah. Uh, and make eh, a short topic... Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so we're so, talking about the draft, and I'm I'm queuing up the results now. Um, are you specifically asking about the quarterback position, or do you want to do you want to start as a whole? Yeah. So I posed the question to you, which was to take a look at the draft results yeah. just for QBs. Yes. And to tell me if you tell me what you observed. Yeah. With the way QBs were drafted. So essentially, and just you know. Uh, in case people's memory is fuzzy or we somehow have a listener who is not a manager in this league. Um, the <laughs> I don't think we do. But uh, Patrick Mahomes was taken. He was the first quarterback off the board in round two. Lamar Jackson went early round three. And then four or five, no, six quarterbacks went between rounds five and six. There was a big run on the, the rest of the QBs. That's like Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, four of the five of which uh, in round or sorry, three of the four in round five are all lock in QB ones, making a huge difference on teams every single week. And Dak Prescott probably would have been had he not been horrifically injured. And then around six, Beach took Matt Ryan and Tom's auto draft took Josh Allen. And then there's a gap. Mm-hmm. And then the whole traditional wisdom of a late round QB sinks in and they're big gaps. So then rounds eight and nine is when the QBs otherwise start going off the board. So there's there's a pretty mm-hmm. big separation between when the high tier of quarterbacks were drafted and then the next tier of quarterbacks were drafted. Is that kind of what you that's, were seeing as well? That's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what I wanted to point out was how, um, as you noted, a bunch of QBs, like the high scoring QBs, went off the board in round five. Yep. And then the other big run was in round nine. Yes. And then there were a couple taken in. There was a couple in. Yeah, 10, 11, 12. I mean, so John on. drafted like six QBs alone, right? So we right. can't. We, yeah, know. we might touch. I might touch on that also. But yes. uh, yeah. So the point is round five was going towards the end of the snake. Yes. Round nine was also going towards the end of the snake. Wait, wait, wait. Round five. And I'm here. Uh, the draft positions. Of our 12 team, the QB run was picks five, six, and seven, and then 10. Right. But that, but my point is that was going towards the end of the draft order, towards where you and I were at the end of the draft order. Okay. Yeah. So some auto draft, some, some other picks, but yeah. Okay. I hear you. So there was a run going in that direction in round five. Yep. And then there was also a big run going in that direction in round nine. Yes. So basically, so from what I calculated, nine of the nine of the thirteen QB picks, the top thirteen, mm-hmm. were picked going towards the end of the draft. 
So what the is draft order? Okay, and and beyond so, just it being sort of a coin flip on which uh, which if it's an odd or even number of the round that that happens, uh, what does that tell you, detective? Basically, that means that drafting for value at QB in this draft was for people at the end of the draft, like you and especially me at position 12, yeah. was a total disaster. <laughs> Basically, because all the runs happened going towards us at the end of the draft, we got stuck with total shit if we were waiting to pick it that Interesting, position. okay. And what I would and, say is so, in general, when people are on a run, if people sense a run, they sort of reach, right? So you might mm -hmm. take... You know, you just saw Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott go. Derek might have said, hey, I don't know if the next QB I want will make it back to me. I better reach higher to grab Deshaun Watson. Or Colin might have needed to reach higher to grab Kyler Murray than he might mm -hmm. have wanted to. Right. But the thing is, for the people at the end of the draft, they would have, if they wanted one of those QBs, they would have had to reach a completely ridiculous number of picks to get those QBs. So True. like, for example, if I wanted Russell Wilson before he got picked up by Matt, yeah. I would have had to pick him 16 picks before Matt did. Mm -hmm. If I wanted Dak, it would have been 17. Kyler would have been 21. Okay. Even if I wanted Tom Brady, I would have had to pick him 14 picks before he actually went. Yeah. And that's just sort of one of the, I don't know, to me and, and you know, maybe just as a lay person here, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure i'm entirely understanding what you're saying here but that's just sort of like one of the inherent inequities that happen when you're towards the the cap the end the turn of a snake snake draft on either top or bottom versus right. being in the middle right so you could say you know if you're the one position in a draft you have to wait uh tw you know whatever it is uh 31 more picks before you get another pick Right. I think you're right. There are those inequities at the beginning and the end of the draft, but because of the way the runs happened, they were all coming towards the end of the draft. Okay. It basically made it a real challenge for the people at the end of the draft to get a reasonable QB, I think. Okay. Um, and I don't know if that's, I don't know if those runs, like those positional runs happen in that direction every year, but in a way, I think it kind of blindsided me during the draft and it was visceral on draft day like i really felt it like you felt like oh way... you wanted one of those qbs um that right. were sort of a higher end potentially higher ceiling qb and right. they evaporated before you got a chance to pick them yeah and so it's like well i i would have yeah maybe been targeting russell wilson or kyler murray but i didn't realize i would have had to pick them 16 or 21 picks before someone else to actually get yes them. yeah and so maybe that's oh, just I, me I like my inexperience like i don't know if i've ever drafted at the very end of the draft um yeah but it was just it was really just visceral to me this year that value drafting did not work out for me yeah well i i, I you know looking at your draft results looking at my draft results i think they're they're relatively similar in, in some ways, you know, hoping for some high ceilings that didn't happen or there were some injuries, you know, that kind of thing. On, uh, But, you know, when I look at, and here's the question I have, I have for you when, you know, like I, I guarantee that I believe you 
um, or, I mean, or I guess I'm telling the exact truth when I say I believe you. You felt that, you know, you had a plan where you wanted one of those QBs and you weren't able to to get them based on the way the run and the position worked. But regarding what a winning fantasy roster is historically, you know, or just kind of like looking at value, I think, you know, and, and you've done some analysis, we'll probably get to it in terms of position scarcity and how much more a really top quarterback can score over a pretty middle quarterback um, and how that point differential can really, you know, elevate the whole team talking about, you know, because quarterbacks tend to score more than everybody else. But in terms of value, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of Patrick Mahomes the first year he was Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson that same year. The first year was really Lamar Jackson, even Josh Allen or, you mm-hmm. know, kind of the first big year of Russ. You know, what you're looking for not necessarily is drafting a quarterback where their value at the end of the season would put them, you know, because if you draft Patrick Mahomes as the first quarterback off the board, that's his ceiling. You know, you're not going to get a huge return on investment when you draft Patrick Mahomes in the first or the second round. What you're looking for is the breakout QB. And I wonder if there's something to do with the way rosters are in the NFL or the way there was such a tremendous rookie year of quarterbacks, you know, last year um, coming in that or, or two years ago. Like we have a lot of young quarterbacks who it's not their first year, it's their second or third year. So maybe they're being more properly estimated as opposed to a lot of room for that breakout. Um, and that being sort of the the problem here. Um I don't know. Just uh, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I suppose yeah, that wasn't I think, really a coherent uh, question. And forgive me. <laughs> yeah, of course. Getting the uh, getting kind of the breakout at the value is yeah ideal, um, and in a large you know that is a large reason why I won the championship last year was because I happened to draft Lamar Jackson in you know the sixth round or something, right? Um, which was a tremendous value, but it feels like this year, yeah, that there hasn't been really that breakout QB. I mean, you could say, um, Justin Herbert, what maybe I was about to say Herbert. Yeah. What's his name on San Diego? Um, yeah. Yeah. Other than that. Yeah. It hasn't been a real breakout. Yeah. Well, Burrow was all right. I'll say Burrow's been good ish. He's Mm. shown promise, but his offensive line is horrible and he just got injured because of it, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, but yeah, it just felt like having a stable QB has, you know, has always been a reasonable strategy also, sure. and especially more this year than other years, which I think we might get into a little more, but, uh, yeah. yeah, for me, for me, I, and I guess maybe that's just my general draft strategy is I, tr- I guess I'm a little more conservative and I try to draft for sort of floor and stability. <sighs> this is what Matt than- said. And I never <laughs> understand how that works. I never do. And that's maybe that's my own. Maybe I'm more aggressive, quote unquote, in draft strategy. And, mm. you know, I confess, I read this article about a week before draft day this year. It was talking about how fantasy ceiling, not floor, wins championships because the the odds that you can get one of those breakout people is way better than somebody who's going to get six points every single game. But... Mm. That said, how do you draft for floor when injuries and COVID and and everything is going on? I mean, like nobody had the floor that Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley did coming into the draft, you know, and and they're each out for the season or nobody had the floor. Nobody had the volume that Zeke did, but Zeke has not been himself this year. True. So when, yeah, I I guess, and maybe that's, I don't mean that rhetorically, like when you're looking at players and looking at draft, are you, when you say draft for floor, are you just looking at volume? Or are you looking for something else? I think 
uh, like I said, it's not it's not necessarily um, again to me. It was about draft trying to draft for value. Yeah. And so it's like if you know, hoping that some reliable QB would fall my way at the end of the draft, mm-hmm. and that just did not work out. Um, or even <laughs> like a, I yeah maybe. I don't know if reliable is the right word, but um, yeah, it just felt like at QB, especially in a, a few other positions at, as well, this draft, by the time it, yeah, it was my pick, it was like, I don't feel confident in any of these players. Oh. Um, it's like, yeah. And so in that situation, I will maybe aim for who I think is the most stable, I guess, is maybe what I, what I, yeah. did um as opposed to the high variance you know take a long shot on someone who might pop off yeah and i think either of those can work and i just happen to go for the former um mm-hmm. and this year it's not really working out so well but <sighs> yeah I, listen this year is not working out well for me too either man um you know I, i've said uh while moaning on the podcast that i don't even have any injuries to show for it I'm just, you know, my draft strategy that had worked historically, my team comp, my roster composition strategy that had worked historically in this year, in 2020, just seems to be off. And that there are, there are different, differently weighted sort of positions than I thought. And, and certainly quarterbacks, one of them, I would say tight end is one of them. There are basically two good tight ends. And if you don't have them, you're, you're done. Um, or, or yeah, tight end's been a, tight end's been a shit show this year (laughs) yeah um okay so yeah i think i think the other thing that the the data showed that you pulled up yes is that i that i drank coffee and manually coded this morning um that qb's like typically qb in the past years has had one or two outliers at the top and then between say qb number three and number 12 the variance hasn't been that large. But right. this year, the QBs beyond like QB six or seven have been significantly worse. Yeah. So, and so mm-hmm. streaming QBs this year has also turned out to not be a viable strategy, really. Yeah. Just because or at least much been... harder to much harder to hit on. I've certainly felt that. Whereas sometimes, right. you know, like the percentage that I get like a at least an okay result out of a streaming QB in the past was pretty good. You know, I could get 18, 19, 20 points and now it's a struggle. Yeah. And I think, I think that feels like an outlier to me. Like this season isn't special in that way for some reason. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Typically even having, you know, the QB 10 or 12 feels a little better, but this year it just feels terrible. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. And and maybe and it really is just kind of a comparison because ultimately like whatever the number is in your points, like you could still be getting 18, 19, 20 points with your quarterback, but if your opponent has the QB3 and is putting up 40 points with their quarterback, well, you're down exactly one position. So, it's right. uh, you know, I wonder if it's just we have some superheroes on our on our rosters. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. There's always going to be those outliers, you know, both a QB and an RB and yeah. once in a while at wide receiver and typically one or two at tight end. Mm-hmm. And so I think, 
yeah, those outliers are going to happen no matter how your scoring is configured. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the other top, so that's the other topic I was wondering about. And mm-hmm. if you had any thoughts yeah. on was QB scoring relative to the other positions. So aside from, aside from the outliers, which yeah. happen at all positions, but we're talking about like on average, like the rules of our league mm-hmm. are such where what we've got uh 0.4 points per uh, 10 passing yards or something like that. And then it's uh, six point TDs or maybe I have that. Uh... Six point TDs and uh, four points for 25 or one point per 25 passing yards. That's four right. Points. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So um, what are my thoughts? Uh, these are the only rules I've ever played with. This is the only league I've ever been in. Um, so I, I don't have a lot of, um, uh, comparison to say, oh, PPR evens it out or, um, or if four point TD would even it out if, if the difference really is touchdowns. Um, when I look at the biggest, um, QB scores, you know, this year, you know, they are from Russell Wilson, who's been passing a lot of touchdowns but they're also from kyler murray who is running more than any quarterback in the league and so mm-hmm. you know switching to a four point or switching to ppr wouldn't necessarily like well ppr is a different story but switching to four point wouldn't necessarily change that variance that you know the advantage that a really mobile quarterback has even josh allen he had a down you know swing but he seems to be back and he's doing real well so uh, you know whether it's a rule change would help balance it out or i think alternatively quarterbacks in a league where the game looks like how it looks this year, you know, if we're going to assume that the rules changes, the officiating, everything is the same going forward, maybe we all need to be raising quarterbacks in our estimation and their impact of a team on a team and the positional difference to, you know, in the draft. And, you know, the wisdom of waiting till 9-10 in the rounds isn't there. But am I missing right. the point? Is your point more that there are three good ones and everybody else is trash? No, on your last point, that's actually something that, yeah, I have, I've tried it both ways um, about how to value QBs in the draft. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this year I tried to kind of, like I said, I was, had a little bit of a value play and there just ended up not being any value. So yeah, no, me too. With the dregs. Mm -hmm. Um, If you recall a couple of years ago, I had, I tried the uh, purely position scarcity draft. Yes. And so that was when I drafted um, Rogers and then Gronkowski one, two. Uh-huh. And that also failed miserably. Um, yep. So, <laughs> so I guess I'm still, I'm not sure when it comes to drafting, which is what's the best strategy. And that's why I actually think there was a little bit of brilliance in John's strategy this year. Okay. Drafting, you know, he drafted Mahomes, but then he drafted two or three other QBs. He also. drafted three other quarterbacks. He had no bench spots that were non-quarterbacks by the end of the draft. Right. And I think that given how QB has the potential to have the, you know, the greatest influence on scoring, that to me, especially after my experience this season, that strategy seems perfectly reasonable to me. Okay, but Just because um, it's like if you it feels it feels and maybe the data doesn't totally bear this out, but it feels like having a solid, you know, top few QB is the only way to win. 
Interesting. And like I said, maybe the data doesn't bear this out, or maybe the season is a little different than other seasons. But that's that's just the way it felt to me. Yeah. So maybe next year I'm going to draft three QBs. Um, you know. <laughs> well, I was looking at, at, for instance, what John... So John, I, I, I misspoke. He drafted four QBs total. So he did have one bench spot that was not a quarterback. Um, but what did that get him? Because I, you know, I think the thinking is, okay, if you have four extra QBs, maybe one is covering Mahomes when he's on a bye, but then the other three are trade fodder, Right. And he only made one successful trade using a quarterback, which is where he packaged Aaron Rodgers and Jarvis Landry for Preston Williams and Austin Eckler. So he got Austin Eckler out of the deal, who subsequently, you know, got 19 points and then was hurt the very next game um, and has been out the whole time. And then Preston Williams has been, uh, he's had two really good games, or I would say good to great games, and then the rest is all single-digit stuff. So... You know, and Aaron Rodgers, conversely, because you cannot play more than one quarterback, you know, John said, I'm going to play Mahomes. Well, Rodgers has been on a tear recently, and uh, certainly Scott has been benefiting from that. Scott has both Aaron Rodgers and Dalvin Cook, and I think those two players are the reasons why he's as high up in the standings as he is. Yes. I mean, yeah. You know, Scott's Scott's trade for Aaron Rodgers, which, you know, I heckled at the time, was perhaps (laughs) the the move of the year. Um, But, uh but yeah, so so what did John get with that? You know, with that draft strategy, he got insurance in a way that true ha- of you know of those four QBs, at least one was likely to be stable. Yeah, well, uh, but, um, and maybe, but he almost already knew that when he drafted Mahomes in the second round, right? I mean, he was guarding against what Mahomes getting hurt early on, or yeah, and you know because QB happened, yeah, and maybe that's worth guarding against. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other thing is if you the other point I think is if you it feels like the other positions are easy well again maybe this season is different but it feels like if you miss at another position yeah it's easier to fill whereas it could be it is especially this year it's been more challenging to fill if you missed I absolutely agree. And, you know, I think there are a few things that are going on with that. Um, One, and I'll say again, I love that we have small benches. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. annoying as an owner to, to, uh, like, on your roster to have, you know, fewer reserves or to have to go out on the waiver wire and do more. But it means that there are that many more potentially valuable players out on the market at any given time. And we've seen more circulation going on this season than any other season that I've played in. Um, so, I mean, that's part of it is, yeah, positions are easier to fill because there are, you know, more running backs and more wide receivers of note that are out there in the market. Secondarily, I think given that it's like COVID season and there was no preseason and you had injuries and all that stuff, we've seen more opportunities for younger players to step up, whether that's James Robinson in Jacksonville, Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. I mean, we've, we've seen, more rookies have more of an impact this year than than I can recall. I mean, like, obviously, you're going to have standout, amazing superhero talent, you know, coming out of the ro- a few rookies. But I mean, if you're talking about, like, are there more than 12 rookies that I could build a team out of and be super happy with? Yeah, I think so. And part of that is just due to, you know, the state of the world, I think. At least that's... Yeah, I think that's been a trend in the NFL is yeah, having more rookies have bigger impact. 
especially at wide receiver. Yeah, because um, typically you couldn't play think, a rookie wide receiver within the first half of a season, you know? Right. They just were horrible, and now we're seeing good stuff. Right, and I think that's where, for me, my my conservativeness in drafting sometimes hurts me. It's like I I avoid, like, the Saquon Barkley's, you know, a couple of years ago. I yep. avoid the rookie wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And maybe, maybe I should uh, try to uh, – I should have that tendency a little less <laughs> – yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm really curious to see how the end of this current season shakes out. Because right now we're, we're heading in, we're a little bit into week 12. And so we've got two more games in the regular season. And I, I have an idea of how at least this week is going to shake out. Um, just looking at my own roster. But, uh, you know, how how the end of the season is regarding the playoffs. How the end of the season, like who really shines and who stands out. And who's able to take advantage of that which managers are, I mean, um, you know, going into those last three weeks of the year because we have so much more data and there has been time for those rookies to grow. And then looking back on that, you know, what were the bold draft strategies that paid off? Or is it, it's not really about the draft and it's more about the the wise pickups, you know, um, towards that first third of the year. Like Derek picked up James Robinson, I think in week three or four, and mm-hmm. he's been awesome. Talk about another rookie. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's another example of a guy who I didn't even consider. You know, I have no idea who he was. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no idea. Mm-hmm. And and he's been doing great. And Derek is now in the hunt to be in the top tier of the playoffs where he was not before. And, um, <laughs> you know, good for him. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I probably harp on this too much or you've probably heard this from me too much. But I just, I, I think the draft matters. I'm not going to say the draft doesn't matter, but it matters far less than I, I think people give it credit for. Yeah, I'm on the side that I think I tend to disagree. And maybe that's just that's okay. my personal experience. <laughs> that when my when my draft is bad, it's always really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like I never have like a mediocre draft. Last season, I had a pretty good draft. Yeah, you did. The season before that and this year, I had miserable drafts. And, you know, I feel like I've made good moves this year mm-hmm. um, and have picked up a lot of reliable players, but it hasn't been enough to overcome some serious misses in the draft. Um, and, you know, and grumpy me says, well, that's because I picked 12th. And if there was a different, yeah. If, if that circumstance maybe. was different, yeah, or if if we yeah tried an auction draft, then maybe I wouldn't have that excuse. Um, yeah. So so you're one of these auction draft people. You you're you're pro- proposing that we try it next year, huh? I would be thrilled, and okay. I think we should. I think we should investigate ways that we can do an auction draft for like six rounds, and then do a normal draft for the whoa is that even a thing? Or something. is that a thing I feel people like do? i'm sure it is like i'm sure we are not the first people to want to do something like this who want to do an auction draft but don't want to commit the four hours it would take or whatever for yeah. 12 people to auction draft interesting there okay we are i i'm almost i'm pretty certain we're not the first people who would like to do that yeah and, no, and it's, it's like really does yahoo be, support it or is there a is there a platform that supports that? Yeah, I think we could find a way. Um, where there's a will, there's a way, Chris. And That's right. I think if we decide that we want to try it, I bet we can figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Um, even if it involves some kind of manual 
uh, we do it in advance and then we draft accordingly during the real Yahoo draft or something like it could be done. Okay. Um, and I think it's worth exploring. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've never done an auction draft. It seems on its face. I mean, I, what, what folks like, uh, you've said, John drew some other people who, uh, you know, I all, uh, completely respect, uh, in this have said that it gives everybody the same opportunity for given players. You know, everybody has the same opportunity to get Patrick Mahomes on their team, you know, or Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. or whoever. It's not up to, you know, uh, the first couple people in a given round. Um, however, what that also means is it's not, you know, something falls to you and you get your first choice of, you know, who's available at that time. You have to bid on every single person or, you know, you may have to bid on everybody that you want. Um, right. Have you like have you done auction draft? Um, I I've never done it myself. I, I'd be intrigued. I think, um, especially as I'm mock drafting next year, I'll see if I can sit in on an auction draft somewhere and hmm. try it. Um, even though it might take four hours, like you said. Woof. Yeah. Well, uh, so the real the real bonus with auction drafting is that Tom has committed to actually attending the draft if we ooh, have an auction draft. So that's right, Mister Auto Draft himself. <laughs> Well, because yep. who who all auto drafted this past year? It was it was Craig and Tom, Glenn for at least part of it. Yeah, Glenn mostly auto drafted. Okay, and was that it, or did we have another auto drafter, Scott, potentially? No, Scott remember. was per. You know, Scott couldn't be on the call, but he was drafting. Derek was present. I don't know if he auto drafted part of it. Um, yeah, just just because, but. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But really hard to, well, I guess, and neither of us have done this before, but is there an auto draft in the auction draft? I, I don't maybe, know. I don't know. Maybe. maybe, maybe the auction draft platforms have some sort of auto draft capability. I don't actually know. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, but, and sorry, just to circle back. Because, like, you know, for instance, the reason why, you know, looking at the data, you're such a proponent of this is that it's not that there are 10 or 12 good quarterbacks in a given year, but there are like three. And so having everybody have the chance to bid on them would be really good, you know, or you want that chance to be able to bid on whoever, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, right? Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, of course, it's more, more fair, it seems. Yeah. Um, I hear you. Yeah. Um, but I will say part of the data, at least quarterback, you know, alone, and this was the data that I, you know, entered this morning. It seems like, you know, we've got people who are really high quarterback scores who are not doing as well. Like John has Patrick Mahomes and we have people who are really low quarterback scores who are not doing as well. And really the, the highest, like first, second, third place in our league especially the people who've clinched it based on quarterback or maybe in the upper middle, you know, they're, they're not necessarily the people who are, um, I don't know, have the highest proportionality of their quarterback. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's true. It's not the only reason your team is successful or not, but it is the most, it is, has the most potential to make your team successful. Or yeah. not, in a, especially in a given week, just the variance of it. Fair and enough. And so I think, yeah, week, 
I would be a proponent also of considering four points for past TD instead of six. So I guess last point I wanted to make is yeah. there's two aspects of QB scoring. Yes. There's the potential for variance within the pool of QBs. Okay. And then there is the high scoring of QBs relative to other positions. Yes. And so if if we think we want to adjust one or the other of those, let's say we want to adjust the variance within the pool of QBs. Okay. How would you that's propose where, that? How, where, that's where, where that switching switching from six points to four points per pass TD. Okay. Or that would becomes... address both. That would address both. That would change both aspects of QB scoring. Yes. Both the variance within the QBs and the high scoring relative to other positions. Right. Okay. If, if we were to do something like try PPR or half yes. PPR or whatever, that would not change the variance within the pool of QBs. Right. But it would change the scoring of QBs relative to other positions by right. making other positions score more. Right. Because your tight ends, your running backs, your wide receivers would all get extra points based on the number of receptions that they get. So right. it would offset. And so, yeah. So I would actually, I would be pretty curious to try PPR, which is another thing I've never played before. Yeah. But uh, I do think that it would have the effect of reducing that high score of QBs relative to other positions. And I think that would be worth trying. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, and I think more than anything, a year like this, you know, like shows the potential for imbalance you know, with a position like this where we hadn't seen it like this before, but the rules, you know, the scoring format, the same one that we had in 2015 or I don't know, even back to 2012, um, you know, was the same scoring format and could have had the same variance the whole time. It just didn't happen to shake out that way. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, definitely we'll give give some thoughts to next year in, in the off season, and I, I look forward to the impassioned uh, IM debates that happen one way or the other <laughs> over this. Um, yeah, I mean, this is something I don't know if we've actually debated the QB scoring because it's mm -hmm. been this way as long as I've been in the league. This yep. decision, yep. the decision for six point TDs was made before I yep. joined the league, and so yep. yeah, I don't know if we've because we joined at the same time. Okay, yeah, yep, um, yeah. There's lots of other things that uh, we've argued about and I have strong feelings about that I'm not, I've kind of given up on uh, <laughs> trying to trying to change. But uh, this is one that maybe we could consider. I think so. And I think maybe just is... try just try half PPR. See how it feels. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think there's significant momentum to try an auction draft this next year, you know. <laughs> And I think definitely selling it on a platform of inclusivity and that everybody would be excited to try it and be there in person or, you know, whatever that means. Um, mm. You know, we could definitely get some traction that way. Um, mm. Yeah. But that's, that's all next season, Pete. How are, <laughs> how are things for you for the rest of this season? What's, what's, what's going on? Cause I know you're, you're kind of, you know, you, you had an 0 and 4 start, you know, you got two wins, probably not in the top playoffs, but anything can happen once you get to an elimination bracket. So what, uh, what's the mindset? What's, you know, how are I things? mean, my, yeah, my mindset's just to not come in last in the regular season. Yep. So, um, 
yeah, last week was a rough one because I had a, a loss and John had a W. So I think I'm all, I am one win and 30 points behind or 40 points behind. Ooh, okay. So okay. I, yeah, I got significant ground to make up over the last couple weeks. Yeah. Um, I am. I'm proud that I beat John head to head. Um, that was actually, yeah, made yep. some strategic moves that week to try to Actually, I was trying to, I knew he and I would both be picking up QBs that week. And so I made moves. I ended up with three QBs on my roster. To basically <laughs> Just defense. to reserve them? <laughs> yes. Um, which actually ended up backfiring because Drew Brees got hurt and scored like nine points for me. <sighs> and, um, but anyway, I got that W, so I was glad about that. Yeah. That was a must win. And I think the last couple of weeks are probably must wins for me also. But uh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I don't know. If if I end up in last, that's I'll just blame COVID. That's Yeah. Yeah, you have a not villain. my fault. <laughs> you have a villain for sure. Um yeah, I mean like it's it's interesting cuz I don't know, looking at the number of moves teams make, I think you and I are always vying <laughs> for the top number of moves and the least number of dollars left over by the end of the season. Um mm-hmm. you know, when you say making moves, uh, and I, I don't want you to, you know, reveal your strategy or anything, but what does that mean to you? Do you have, you know, positions that you're always looking to stream on top of making strategic moves or, you know, what are you looking at from like a, a roster building perspective? Because, you know, at least you and I, you know, like ducks in the water, right? The, the feet are always churning on the roster. Yeah, I think, I mean, this year it's just been about trying. A lot of it's been about trying and failing to find an answer at QB. Okay. Um, but so that's been a substantial number of moves. Mm-hmm. I do think um, I've, yeah, I I don't typically roster for depth. My okay. moves are just fill my roster with a starting lineup yeah. that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. And then my bench spots are for, you know, players who I don't want to start right now, but are that lottery ticket where if someone gets hurt or they have a breakout performance, then they become potentially a great starter. So that's why, you know, like at the very beginning of the season, I drafted like Chase Edmonds, who was seen as like a potential breakout. Potential breakout, handcuffed for the first part. And then, yeah, he was, he was awesome once, uh. Kalen Balaj got hurt. Right. And so... Wait, did um, I just say Kalen Balaj? Is that right? Kenyon Drake. No, Kenyon Drake. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, I don't typically roster for depth. It's just start some, yeah, mm-hmm. a starting lineup I'm comfortable with, and then a bunch of people who I don't... I wouldn't want to start, but yeah. maybe they get good. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, that it makes sense. Like what you're saying makes sense. And what I always, I, maybe I'm not patient enough. Maybe I drop people too early or I don't know what it is, but I, I just, I'm struggling to find an answer this year at a number of positions. So tight end quarterback flex wide receiver three, whatever. I mean, yeah, I, I did a bad trade with you and you got, (laughs) you got the advantage of Antonio Gibson and DJ Moore. Uh, I mean, I think that trade. I think that actually, that trade actually turned out pretty fair. Like, yeah, I think basically, I think you traded volatility for stability. I did. Yeah, and I did the reverse. Like, Keenan Allen has been arguably like the most reliable, sort of stable. Yes. Scoring ten to twelve points per game, like every game. 
Yes. He doesn't yeah. have amazing games and doesn't have terrible games. So yeah. And it's definitely a place for that. And you know, at the time I felt like I had a bunch of like up and coming wide receivers that I wanted to start, but that I didn't feel like I had roster space to start. Um, and now looking at the names, none of them were worth a darn at all. I mean, I had like, you know, I couldn't wait to start Henry Ruggs in my matches, or I couldn't wait to start. Yeah, uh, Ruggs whoever. was on my watch list. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whoever it is. I'm like, oh man, I have all these opportunities for these breakouts. And I, you know, and, and at the time, Antonio Gibson hadn't really heated up the way he certainly has been great the past few weeks, DJ yeah. Moore as well. And I was just like, you know, I've got this like draft investment in these people. But and I'm hoping to get something for it. But I wanted to free up a roster. But now you know they're gone, and I don't have much in the way of a flex. And uh, you know there, I, there's always regrets. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, thanks at least for saying that uh, the trade felt fair at the time. But uh, I hope you're enjoying going into these playoffs. Um, what Antonio Gibson is doing, because that's yeah. Well. It's hopefully set me up for a W this week. Yeah, over Craig. So that's uh, that'll be hard to do. But you know, he uh, he was on a tear at first, and it really has quieted down for his roster. Yeah. Well, did he did he have Dak? He did, and he replaced him with Ryan Tannehill, who who was who was also cooling off. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, weeks five and six, Dak was out, but Ryan Tannehill was scoring 35, 36 points, you know, each week. And it seemed like, okay, well, Craig's still doing whatever he's doing. But his big running back investments were Derrick Henry, who's been good, but not setting the world on fire like last year. And Chris Carson, who has been hurt Mm -hmm. on the Seahawks, uh, you know, for quite some time. And Kenyon Drake. So, (laughs) you know, he could be gearing up for a great playoff run. But... Yeah, it's, if he gets those running backs healthy. Then. Yeah, but at least yeah. this week, uh, you know, I, I think you're gonna think you're gonna be happy with your result against him. We'll see if I can score more than more than twelve QB points. I'll be, <laughs> yeah. I'll have a shot. Yeah, wait, you're projected to win, and you have even a missing roster position right now. Yeah, I'll fill that by tomorrow. <laughs> but, <laughs> All right, cool. Um, well, uh, thanks for all the statistical analysis. Is there anything else you might want to bring up or touch base or you got any closing thoughts? No. Um, I guess one last question, um, yeah. Mr. Uh, Glass Case of Emotions. Yes. Are you, do you listen to the Brene Brown podcast? Uh, I have. I'm not a, I don't listen every week, but I've heard some of them. Yes. Okay. I think that is that is a yeah I've read one of her books and okay. that podcast has yeah been oh I've learned a lot from that podcast I don't I also don't listen to every episode but the episodes I do listen to I always learn something so uh, okay highly recommend to you and to the other uh, other listeners out there yeah man uh, for sure I I like her stuff a lot I like her TED talks and uh, mm. that's a good reminder to uh, to hit subscribe and. See what she has to say about, you know, living your authentic emotions and not keeping things bottled up inside. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, really it was like, what, what can I do? What, what was a theme, you know, for, for my team this year? 
And it turns out <laughs> the theme has been tilting, which is not great. <laughs> but at the very least, you know, uh, given that I have this platform of the show, um, you know, not to reveal my strategy so much, but, you know, what I'm feeling about the, the season. And so that's where mm-hmm. that came from. Um, so uh, if anybody is in the dark about how I'm feeling about my team's performance this season, um, they're not listening to this show. So, yeah. Cool, man. Well, uh, thanks so much for taking the time and for this great long chat about uh, the league and the format and and getting into the nitty gritty. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. Um, All right. Thanks to Pete uh, for your time, for your thoughts. Uh, Great having you on the show. And otherwise, just wrapping up, we've got the uh, side bet sidebar. Just want to give a shout out to Colin. Colin drank uh, a drink with a bunch of weird stuff in it, fish sauce, mayonnaise, uh, some cider, but mostly I want to talk about your kitchen. It's beautiful. Way to go. The new house looks great. Um, Hope you're enjoying it, Uh, and always good to see a video. And this was another in the much vaunted, I didn't need to post a video, but I did because it's fun. And you know what? It's it's fun. So, uh, you know, that that may inspire me here today. Um, Otherwise, let's see what else. Gift the week. You know, I, I don't have anything for Gift of the Week because our gift game has been a little weak. Let's step it up. That's right. I'm, I'm not giving a bell this week. I want to see some gifts. Um, I want to be uh, amused. And not just amuse me. I want to amuse you guys too. So um, let's let's get some good stuff going. Uh, in Emotions Corner, uh, just wrapping up, hashtag Emotions Corner. You know, I, I felt like Pete and I sort of busted a gut a little bit on on our, our grumbling about the the team performance for each of us or the draft performance or whatever it's a weird year and uh you know we just had thanksgiving there's a lot to be thankful for um for each of us and i think you know this league is something i'm very thankful for even losing i would rather lose at this league than not do this league and you know the i'm having fun no matter what so let's uh i don't know uh have fun out there uh in the world enjoy fantasy football and uh, we will talk to you next week. See how it goes. Bye. What? D-R-A-M-A. Drama. Drama. <laughs> right there. Yep, for